Hi, welcome to NDE TV. I'm Peggy Robinson. Today's guest is Jeremiah, and he is new in telling his experience. And so, Jeremiah, how long ago was this? This was three years ago. Three years three ago. Year. That's yeah. fresh. Yep. Yes. What happened? Really to me. So uh, basically, I had a, a motorcycle accident. I mean, I've had four near-death experiences, but the motorcycle accident was really the most profound for me. It really kind of deviated the way that my mind worked. It showed me an experience that I'd never even thought to think about before. And, you know, my dad actually had an NDE where he died and came back to life from cardiac arrest and stroke. Um, so, you know, I've heard his stories over the years telling me about it and stuff, and it just didn't resonate with me. It didn't make sense to me. And um, going to, through this last one, it really just was powerful enough to show me, hey, this is what he was talking about. And for me, that just really changed, you know. But in, in order to hear the whole story, I have to kind of go back into the very beginning of who I was because it's really shifted everything that I am. So if I go back to my childhood, I grew up in a hard neighborhood. I grew up in the ghetto, you know, which is hard for a, a white person to grow up in. And I was a minority in that environment and which caused me a lot of strife and caused me a lot of fighting and, you know, violence to be in my life. And, you know, my whole life, I felt like I had been kind of putting aside who I was to become who I needed to become in this environment. And it kind of reminds me of how we all kind of live. We all try to live this life where we're trying to protect our ego, trying to protect ourselves. And as we're doing that, we have to ask ourselves, are we being true to ourselves? And for me, the answer was no. So I consistently was going through down this path where life was hard. I had to put up this persona of who I was to protect my true self. Because if I told people that I cry at rom-com movies or I sit there and I, I cry over music and stuff, like that wouldn't really resonate with gangbangers and thugs. You know what I mean? So I had to just become this hard person and, and turn to a life that it wasn't me. And I knew it wasn't me. But the problem with me is that as I progressed through life, I continued down that mindset. You know, always protecting myself, always trying to fulfill my own needs, not really listening to what my spirit wanted me to do. And, you know, having multiple near-death experiences, being near death a lot, you know, I really started to see a different perspective. And my last near-death experience had come at the cost. I, I dealt with depression and anxiety my entire life. I had multiple suicide attempts. And for me, life was so overwhelming because all of the inputs that were coming into me as they resonated with my soul, I was fighting against who I had to become in this environment. So I was always at odds with myself, you know, in, in understanding who I was. So, you know, I went down, had these experiences, <clears throat> excuse me, and my last one uh, was a motorcycle accident. I had just gone through my third divorce, you know, and I just, I wasn't in my right space. There was so many things going on. I was in the most depressive state I'd ever been in and um, went out and rode my motorcycle with a buddy of mine and ended up crashing, falling down, didn't wear a helmet. I wasn't wearing a helmet at the time. And I remember I fell off the bike after it wobbled around a little bit and fell down. And I hit my head so hard that after I hit my head, after I blacked out, I remember thinking to myself, this is how I die. This is it. And that didn't make sense. First of all, like how come everything was black, but I was still aware that this is how I died. And then all of a sudden, everything went from black to a bright white light in front of me. And that light, sat there for just a moment and I, I i tell people it's like almost like um in star wars when they go into hyperspace and all the stars start coming towards them it's like this thing just went out that way away from me and as it did that it pulled this tunnel around me and i was aware of the tunnel 
and I was aware of pictures on the tunnel and I was aware of like videos going on and stuff. And I had this presence of somebody behind me, this, I don't know what it was. I still don't know to this day. And as the white light disappeared, I started progressing down this tunnel. And as I was going down the tunnel, I was able to look left and right, you know, and I didn't understand how that was happening either. Cause I didn't feel any pain. I was in a completely different space. And I had seen the different pixelations of my life in the most vivid colors I'd ever seen. I've even told people I've seen different colors now, you know? And as I went down, I had an understanding of what every picture meant and what every interaction in my life meant and how they kind of brought me to the position that I'm at now in my life or where I was in my life and how it all kind of fit together, you know? And it made sense to me. And, you know, I looked at my life as like this chaotic mess, but it really isn't. It's this beautiful picture and roadmap of where we're going, you know, and I had fought so many times in my life to kind of deviate my path and stuff, but not knowing that my path was exactly where I needed to be. Even the hardships that I faced in my life and the, the amount of violence that I've witnessed in my life, you know, was there to really get me in touch with my empathetic spirit, my intuition, because I'm very, I've been very intuitive and I'm very empathetic since I was a kid and I'm going down this thing. And, you know, again, the white light is gone. I've got this tunnel and my pictures are all around me. I'm going down and I come to near the end of the tunnel. And I know it's near the end because the pictures had blank spaces now. They no longer contain videos or re rem uh, memories of my life. Now it was blank. And I remember the being behind me, whatever it was speaking to me and saying, become your purpose or become the purpose, excuse me, become the purpose is exactly what was said. And for me, I didn't understand that. I was like, what's my purpose? I have no idea. I've been searching for my purpose my whole life. You know, it just seems ridiculous. How am I supposed to be a purpose when I don't even know what my purpose is? And uh, after that was spoken or, or in my head, I heard it, it was there. All of a sudden this it's like a beam of light, but it wasn't light. It was just like this insurmountable amount of energy flowing into my myself and flowing into my mind or whatever I was. And it was so much so that I couldn't fully process it. I, I didn't understand what it was, but I knew that I had this amount of information now that was not there before for sure, but it was there now. And as soon as that information came in, I was back in my body, just like that. And I woke up and I'm on the side of the road and I'm laying down thinking, what just happened to me? That was the weirdest experience. I've never taken drugs up until this point. I've never experienced hallucinogenics. I didn't do anything. I was very straight edge. I was in the military for 13 years, you know, and I was a crane operator for a number of years. So this, this was all new to me, you know, and my other near death experiences weren't even on this level. It was almost like they were a training ground for this experience where they were, just, you know, the first one was being shot at at very close range and every bullet missed me and they went by my head. And I remember seeing my life in front of me at that point, but it wasn't the depth that I went through with this. Then the next one, I had a rollover accident where I rolled eight times after I fell asleep at the wheel and hit a concrete light pole. And thank God it diverted me out from hitting a house, you know, cause I would have gone straight through a house and possibly killed somebody, but I didn't, I got thrown off into the road, rolled and landed upside down and walked away with a scratch on my face. And then I had another one where I've, I've had six spine surgeries from uh, uh, injury in the military. And those spine surgeries caused me to get a infection that ended up going septic. And that septic infection collapsed me. And I was minutes from death, the doctor said. You know, so I believe all of those were a progression of understanding for me to get to this one point in this 
near-death experience. And I woke up and I had eight broken ribs. I had head, slight head trauma. I had a broken wrist, um, internal bleeding. I ended up having to have two chest tubes. And I was in the hospital for a number of weeks. And, you know, while I'm sitting there recovering, I had been on pain, prescription pain medication for 13 years up until this point, 12, 12 years. And I had realized that when I came out of that experience, there was something urging me to just stop pain medication. I don't know what it was. It just said, stop. I just felt the urge to stop. So after I healed up, I had, like I said, eight broken ribs in three different places. Um, I decided to quit cold turkey, just quit. I was on oxy uh, cotton. I was on morphine at certain times. I was on all these pain prescription pain medications that I decided that I'm going to just stop because if I'm going to live in an altered state of reality, which is what the medication was doing for me, then I rather understand my reality and be able to deal with it. And I kind of correlated it to much like a runner or somebody who works out, you know, when you go running, you're taking the, the, the value of the pain and instead of allowing it to stop you, you're putting the value on the progression that you make in your life or your physical body. So now the value becomes not negative, but a positive reflection, right? So your value is, is instilled upon you in a good manner. So you continue going. So you overcome the pain that we deal with to allow the goodness in life to flow through it. So I had that mindset and I was like, okay, I need to quit, quit medication. <clears throat> Excuse me. And what happened after that was as soon as I quit the medication, as soon as I healed up, quit the medication, I felt this overwhelming urge to meditate. And if you know me, like I don't meditate. I don't sit around. I've been a high strung individual ever since I was a kid. I go out and I enjoy life. I do whatever I want to do. So I don't sit down and, 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 you know, do Kumbaya or whatever, you know, I don't do that. And so for me, I was like, I don't even know how to meditate. I have no idea, no clue, didn't research it. I heard people that sit their legs crossed and this and that. I, I, I was like, it's not my, not my thing. I couldn't sit up because of my spinal injury, you know? So I sat there for a moment. I thought, okay, how am I going to meditate? What do I feel is right for me? You know, and I, I know that we have energy flowing through our bodies. And I know that if I want to access the most amount of energy, I need to reserve and conserve the most amount of energy. So I decided I don't want to sit up because if I sit up, then I'm using energy to support myself. So if I lay down flat, I won't be using that much energy. And then I also had read at this time that there are 100 million light receptors in our eyes and we only use 1 million of them, you know? And so for me, that kind of fascinated me. So I thought, you know, what's the one thing that really is hard for us to control? And for me, it was blinking. If I can overcome my pain, that's one major hurdle, but how can I overcome my blinking? And I realized that if I, lay down and that intuition that told me to lay down, I would lay back and my eyes would water up slightly and that would uh, like provide me a protective barrier. And I thought, whoa, okay. So I'm gonna try that. So I started meditating once I healed up, got off of my medication and started meditating in the backyard, laying in the grass and I uh, lay down and I would look at one star in the sky, just one star. And every night it was the same repetitious thing. And I'd lay there and I'd look at the star and um, at first there was nothing going on. I'm like, dude, this is such a waste of time. Like, what am I doing here? I'm getting grass burns on me and grass stains and stuff. And my dog was looking at me like, what are you doing, dude? Like, this is what I do, you know? So I was laying out there and as I would stare at the star about four or five days into this, something started changing where the one star would become two. So my perception of the star would then split off from the single vision into a double vision thing. I thought, well, that's weird. 
So I just like kept continuing. It was like this thing kept giving me little breadcrumbs, like this understanding. And so I stayed there and I started looking at the two stars. And then I was just trying to relax my eyes. And then I started looking in between the stars. And as I looked in between the stars, everything would start going black. So about two weeks into this, like I was really starting to see changes in my vision. And as it would go black, then I would start to see different colors come across my perception because I couldn't, I was, even though my eyes were open, I couldn't see what was in front of me. It was something was blocking my perception, but I could start to see energy fields, I guess you'd call it. That's what I would call them, right? It was like, it was like different frequencies of energy. So the first frequency of energy was this really yellowish, orangish light that would just kind of flow across almost like a spider web mixed with a um, bubble, a soap bubble. You know, the soap bubble, how they're all kind of distinguished in different mm -hmm. colors and stuff. It would kind of do that where it would kind of change. And I'd see that for a little bit. And as I continued down this path, um, it started changing. I started seeing structured um, shapes and it just, it kept like changing and becoming more powerful to me. And I'd get this feeling like you're on a roller coaster, like you're going up the hill and you know, the big drops coming and you're like, Ooh, I'm nervous. And then you'd get that drop and you're like, Oh, that's what was happening to me each time I started seeing some stuff, you know? And then a friend of mine um, told me about this movie called the Celestine prophecy. And I don't know if you've seen it or not, but uh -huh. it is, it's a, it's a horrible movie. It's a horrible uh -huh. movie as far as acting goes. And like, it's not even acting, acting's not that bad, but like the production stuff, it's not, it's okay. Right. But the story behind it, as I was going through this meditative process, it, I was getting some things that were opening up and I realized that everything around us is energy, you know, and this movie spoke to exactly how I understood it in my mind where everything around us is energy. And then they did this crazy thing where they stuck their fingers together like this, right? And the lady told the guy, she's like, hey, look in between the space of your fingers. Don't look at it, but just look at it, right? Um, see it, but don't look, right? So she was looking at the space in between in the movie and there was this white smoke trail, not white, but black smoke trail that would go across and that's what they were talking about. I was like, dude, this is crazy, but I'm going to try it out. And one day I sat in my living room and I stuck my fingers up and I was determined to see the smoke trail because it really resonated with me. Not that I'd ever done it before or anything, but I had really just felt like this is what I needed to do. So I started doing this and, and this is completely sober at the time, just so you know, and looking at it and I'm telling you within an hour, I saw this smoke going between each finger. And the longer I did it, the more I could see the energy transferring between the finger. And it blew me away, like completely blew me away. And at one point I could see sparks coming off of my finger. I, I saw them, but I also felt them in my finger, you know, and eventually it turned into being, um, this is gonna sound crazy, but like a lightsaber, the light became, was shining out of my finger. A blue purplish light would come out of my finger. And I could move it around, look on the ceiling. I could see it on there. And I really think it was how my eyes were adjusted, right? And I think that goes back to the meditation where I was adjusting my eyes, relaxing my eyes and able to see different spectrums and my irises were opening up, you know? So I went down this journey and as I'm meditating, as I'm seeing all these things, the, the very last colorful thing I saw was this purple flame in front of me. 
And as I meditated, I would see this purple flame come in and out of my vision and just sit there and be this beautiful thing. It was at some point, it was like a square with flame, almost like a box, but flames coming off of it. Right. And uh, it just really tripped me out. And right after that happened, uh, about a week or two after that, this is over the span of, of a year as well. About a week after the purple flame came, then I started going down tunnels in my meditation. I'm like, what is going on with this? I don't really understand it. I really want to understand it, but I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm going down these tunnels. And meanwhile, I'm telling all my friends what I'm doing. You know, I'm like, hey, I'm going down this meditative path and I don't understand it, but I need to share it with somebody because it's really freaking me out. You know, they're like, all right, cool, man. Like, that's interesting. You know, and just like, shoot me out of there. Like, this guy's crazy or something. You know what I mean? And, um, oh, no problem. So um, I'm, I started going down these tunnels and seeing stars coming into me, almost like my near-death experience. And it was like really the most similar thing to that without the storyline of my life. And then there's one day when I ended up in a room that was covered in just blackness. And there was this tablet on there with the Egyptian hieroglyphs. I'm like, what is it? I've never been to Egypt. I've never, like I've seen Egyptian stuff, but I never fully understood it. And uh, I'm telling my friends this stuff. And they're like, that's, that's crazy, man. That's, that's cool. You know, and just like kind of dismissing me underneath the breath, but not really, you know, like wanting to hear me because they respected me. And um, it's, it probably wasn't a week later, but the CIA comes out with these documents on astral projection and stuff. And I, it's like a 39 page, you know, letter that came out and kind of explained what was going on. And I went up to my friends. I'm like, dude, this is exactly what's been happening to me, you know, and I didn't really understand it. So that was just a crazy revelation, you know, going from my near-death experience into meditation. But as I was doing these meditations as well, there became like, there was more information that was being unlocked, like getting that whole burst of energy in that experience. Like I really couldn't understand it. I couldn't unlock it. I couldn't sort it out because it was so complex for me. <clears throat> so that's another reason why I haven't really shared my stories because I didn't want to go out and start sharing stories, you know, with people and, and with the public. And then find out that I hadn't fully understood what I was meant to understand, you know? So I, uh, some of the things that I realized is like energy. I mean, energy is such a huge thing and we don't really understand the power of energy because we're living within energy, you know? And, and then I had another realization where I'm not my body, right? I started thinking about that, like on a really hardcore basis where if my arm gets cut off, who am I? You know, I'm still me right? If my hair falls out and my skin dies, which it does every seven years, we regenerate new skin, right? Who I'm still me, right? For sure. So then I thought, well, how is this even feasible? Like, who am I then? You know, and I really went down that, that deep path. And I felt like that was where I was being led to in that experience and that near death experience is that you're going to find out who you are so that when you find out who you are, you will also find out your purpose, right? And that's the one thing I struggle with is what is my purpose? Because I felt a calling, but I couldn't understand it. So I started thinking about this, and this is a simple understanding, like understanding of a complex topic. But for me, I need, give me the, give me the main topics of this stuff and let's understand that. I don't want to go digging down into different roads because you can go miles and miles into different tunnels and not fully understand a concept, right? So I like to take the gist of the concept and put all the pieces together. So for me, I started thinking about one major thing that shifted my mindset is that how are my thoughts processed in my mind? You know, dealing with depression, dealing with anxiety, how are my thoughts processed? And for me, they're processed on neurons and 
neuropathways. And it's a scientifically proven fact. It's not even up for discussion. It's, it's there. So what are neurons? Well, neurons are energy, right? So neurons are energy that is moving information through your brain on neuropathways, right? So that spoke to me. And I started thinking about that even more. Well, if everything is energy around us in different forms, and my thoughts are energy or an information on energy, like, what does that mean for me? And ultimately, it showed me that this life after death experience that I had was my consciousness. It was my awareness of death, right? It was my awareness of my life after death. And that's all contained in energy. So spirits that we have on this planet are energy attached to a consciousness, right? All of my thoughts in the collection of thoughts are my information attached to energy. Now, energy doesn't diminish. Energy is only transferred, right? So energy will be transferred back into this planet once we die. That's the one thing we lose. When my dad died, he lost his energy. They had to give him CPR and they had to hit him with the paddles. And what did they use in the paddles? Electricity, energy. You know, so for me, that was very powerful because that spoke to a truth of life after death right there, just in that basic principle and basic concept. And then I started thinking about how my mind uses this energy and how my thoughts are formed in my everyday experiences. And I started realizing, like, if you look back to when we were babies, <clears throat> as babies, we cannot communicate. We do not understand our environment, but we understand a spiritual truth. We understand what we need to allow our bodies to continue on in existence. So we react based upon emotions and feelings. And emotions are interpretations of a truth, right? So when you deal with the emotions, you're interpreting a truth before you or a truth that you feel. So for me, if I was hungry, I'd cry. If I needed my diaper changed, I would cry because it was uncomfortable. That was my truth. You know, if I was happy and felt loved, I was in balance and I was just sitting there peacefully, right? And I started thinking about that as we grow up. Do we ever shift out of that? And I think we do. I think our brains, as we, we have this thing called neurogenesis, where our brains have the ability to create new neural pathways every single day, right? So we're continually growing our brain, but are we using it? You know, and I started thinking about, well, what do babies do? And they do it this way and they have these emotions and they cry and they deal with it and they get their emotions resolved. But as adults, do we still do that? Are we living an emotional life where everything is emotionally driven? And what is the purpose of the emotions? And I think for me, in my understanding of my experience is that my emotions were able for me to dictate a truth within this experience, within this environment that I live in. So my depression and my anxiety all stem from emotions. And the depression for me was me trying to change the past and change circumstances around my past and not being able to. And it was this continued cycle of energy in my mind that kept this repetitious pattern. But I couldn't change it logically. I had to start looking at the truth. That was my interpretation. And my anxiety was like everything in the future I was trying to control and trying to deviate to my own understanding, my own comfort zone. But I was out of control. Like if anything in the future is possible, then literally everything is possible. So why am I trying to hold on to it in one small spectrum of understanding when there's so many outside influences coming into my life? You know, and for me, I had to let that go. I had to realize that I need to just respond to what's in front of me and allow my emotions not to dictate me. Let my truth dictate my emotions and not let my emotions dictate my truth. And I was doing it backwards, you know. So I started thinking about how 
you know, I, I, I visually look at things in my perspective of life, you know, and I have this mindset where I'm in this experience trying to live this physical life with the spiritual body that is actually in control of me. The energy is what releases chemicals in my body. It's re what releases my feelings and through those chemicals, you know, I mean, we're honestly, it's kind of weird, but we're like a bunch of walking biological drug acts, right? If you think about it, because our experiences are putting us in these environments that we want to be in. And we want to be in those environments because we know we're going to get some dopamine out of this. We know we're going to get some different chemicals in our body. So we're really just walking around looking for most, the most pleasurable experiences, you know, and we can't always have the most pleasurable experiences because uh, life kind of throws little curveballs for us, you know, and it throws these curveballs where, you know, this guy's going to come in and hit us and we get so upset about it. Why, why'd you hit me? Or can't you pay attention? And the reality of it is who cares? Like you're okay. You're alive they're okay. And maybe this was slowing you down from a bigger disaster in the future. You know, if you're going to worry about any situation, worry about the situation that's in front of you, because really the only thing that we can have effective change on is our current perspective and our reaction to that perspective and where we are right now has nothing to do with the future has nothing to do with the past. You cannot change the past. You cannot change the future. There's nothing to be changed except for your attitude and your perception of your attitude. You know, and for me, when I, when I grabbed a hold of that concept, it really just, re-energize me in a sense that now there isn't any bad in my life. Now there are hard taught lessons for sure, hard taught lessons. And I viewed them as being bad and negative. And that's what I'd go through in my depression. Oh, this was so horrible. I'm such a bad person, but here's the deal. And this is the truth, right? Is that each one of those bad experiences happens for a small moment of time, a small moment of your existence. They don't continue on forever unless you allow them in your mind. But what comes out of that experience in that small moment of time is that you have now learned something about yourself. You've learned something about people. You've taken in information, right? And that information stays with you for as long as you carry breath in your lungs. So there's no ending to that. But not only that, but then you can share that information, right? And when you share that information of your hard taught lessons, your hard taught information that you gathered, you are now making somebody else's life better without having to go through that whole experience. And for me, when you look at those two positive things that continue on forever, they outweigh the one negative moment in my life or the collection of one small negative time frames of the moment, you know, the negative experiences. So for me, I had to really look at myself and say, there's no bad in life. Everything has now become a lesson for me. And what is, what, what is our purpose on here? And for me, it was, if our minds are continually gathering information through emotions and stuff, there's going to come a time when we need to switch over from the emotional-based living into our spiritual, truthful living, right? And that means collecting your, your, your information to raise your frequency up, you know what I mean? And then when you raise your frequency up, you're living on a pedestal, not a pedestal, but almost like a higher level of existence, right? So your energy flows better you're 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 more excited you're more happy and content with life you're no longer allowing the negative energy of negative experiences to interact with you anymore you know and for me it's all about raising the energy and we you know these people that go through these near-death experiences they talk about oh everything's love and happiness and here's the truth though this is why it's all love and happiness is because the highest frequency that i believe that we can attain in this existence is love and if you look at in nature right everything in nature that is growing, it's growing because of balance, right? It's growing because everything it needs is there. And for me, that's when I look at love as it correlates to my life, 
that's when I feel love when everything is in balance and I have everything I need to feel that love. And, you know, people go out into nature and they're like, oh my gosh, I feel so alive. Well, what makes you feel alive in nature? It's the pure flow of energy that you're receiving from the plants because we do receive energy hundred percent and we emit energy. We emit life photons. That's a scientifically proven fact as well. So we are actually taking in the pure unadulterated energy from nature that is purely imbalanced because of the love. And we're allowing that to come into our life. And that's why we feel such peace and balance in that situation, you know? And when we come back into reality, that's when we're not living for our spiritual truths. We're living for our physical truths. We're living for this environment or what the world wants us to live in, right? And that's not how we're supposed to live because this body dies. Again, if you're looking for living for your emotions, then you're going to die, right? And those emotions have no more meaning, but those emotions are carrying information. And it's the information that we take and the, the free flowing love. So just you know i started putting all this together and just it really changed my perspective and i really started to believe that i need to live from that perspective of love and for me love was so askewed because i've been through divorces before and i didn't fully understand what love was and i was like what is love like you know that's there's a song about it there's like what is love no one really really knows right but i'll tell you i think we do know love is not a transaction Right. We're living in this transactional love mindset now where I'm going to love somebody, but they better love me the right way. They better give me the same amount of love back. Otherwise, I'm out. I'm not going to love them. That's not love. Love for me is a one way street. Love is something that you self generate within yourself that is a self sustaining energy. And when you look deep inside yourself and you continue to love yourself and empower yourself and know your power that's within you, know that you're living from a spiritual energy, not this physical body that's so broken and ridiculous sometimes, that you are this powerful energy, you start to love yourself. Then guess what? You start self perpetuating that energy. You feel good about yourself. It's like going into nature. Nature is giving you that free love and you're taking it in. And you're like, whoa, I feel great. And that's what we're supposed to be doing is we're supposed to be taking this love, loving ourselves and then handing it out. Like it, it it's going to be the life or death of somebody because it really could be, you know? And I started putting this into practice where there is no longer any negativity that's going to flow through my brain. I, I strictly want to give love to people and love does not, it's not a physical thing, right? It's a, it's a time thing almost. So when you're like what we're doing right now, this sounds ridiculous, but we're sharing love with each other. You are using one of the most valuable things that you have in this life, right? The one thing you don't know how much you have of to share it with me and allow me to share this experience with you. And for me, that's love. Whenever you give a compliment to somebody or somebody gives you a compliment, you know, we don't really think about it this deeply. We're like, oh, thanks, man. But the truth of it is that your energy has impacted somebody so much that they have recognized that number one, Number two, then they processed it in their head and thought, whoa, this is different than what I'm feeling. This is like not normal. And then they've taken their time, the most precious thing they have to share with you the knowledge of how powerful you are. You know, so compliments are not compliments. They're recognition of your power, you know, and the recognition of what you're doing is correct and right. And it's resonating with other people, you know, so I started living this environment where everything is good and everything is love. And I started giving that to people freely. I have this hat on here that says, be, be a kind human. You know what I mean? I started being kind to everybody. It doesn't matter. I compliment somebody in a, in a nice way or do something for somebody. And not because I want recognition at all, because it's not what it's about. But it's about stepping outside of your boundaries to give something to somebody as a gift. You know, and the gift is love. It's the time. It's the acknowledgement of their existence. And for me, that, that is so powerful to, to change in this world. You know, and people are always wondering, how can I change the world? You can change the world by the next person you meet 
You are literally starting a cycle or starting a pattern, as I saw in my near-death experiences, that everything leads to something. And what you're doing is you're creating a chain reaction that you are impacting and changing that person's life. You know, and that's a powerful position to be in because then you know that you are literally and legitimately changing the world one step at a time. And with every interaction you have, you have one more chance. You know, so this, this allowing negativity and imbalance to come in our life is because we're trying to feed into the future and what we think we want physically. But what you truly are looking for is something that's internal. It's that internal power. It's the internal love that's coming through us and flowing through us so that we can overflow and give to other people. You know, so it's, it's been a crazy journey, but this has really been things that I've put into practice and I've really seen the, the fruits of my labor, I guess you could say, you know, cause it, it really has started to change the way I look at people and the way I interact with people, you know, don't allow depression to get to you because that past is gone. You've taken the information and turned it into power. Don't allow the future to hold you in anxiety because that future is nothing more than you trying to control the universe. I mean, literally that's what it is. You're trying to tell the universe, Hey, this is what I need right here. I don't need you to get involved. This is, this is what I know what's best for me. Well, no, not really. You know, what you do know what's best for you is how to love yourself, you know, and all that love that we've been seeking from other people, all that acceptance we've been seeking from outside of our own understanding for ourselves is wasted time. It's us. When you become the love that you are meant to be, you will become your purpose. You will be sharing that purpose and that information with other people, you know, and that's where I think our happiness really resides. You know, so it's, it's been a really good journey, but I'm telling you, this is something that is very true for me. Very true for me, you know? So that's, that's about it for now. <laughs> I'm still kind of deciphering everything and kind of going through stuff. And this is, this is an ongoing journey, not only for me, but I mean, there's millions of people across the world that are kind of going through the spiritual awakening. You know, we hear it all of the time. It's a spiritual awakening. And, you know, there are people that are waking up to the realities of life, you know, everything in, in life is not negative, but it's being projected upon us as everything is negative and it's not, you know, it does, your, your politics don't matter. You know, what news station you listen to does not matter. What matters is how well can you influence somebody else by being just you? You know, we're all very unique beings. We all come from different backgrounds. We all have completely unique experiences. There's not one person that is like you or like me. There's not one person that's like anybody. You know, we sit here in this life trying to project ourselves like other people because we see this fake amount of happiness in life. That's not it. Like, we are so uniquely different from everybody. We're like a, a Picasso painting. Each one of us is this beautiful, perfect painting, you know, and we're sitting here saying, ah, let's take some crayons and color over it. And let's, let's try to be like that person across the way. But that's, that's wrong. We're so perfect and beautiful in who we are because we're so unique. You know, you're not going to find anybody like me and like you. And, and that's the great thing about this is that if there are no, you know, we're all trying to conform to each other. If there are no similarities, really, I mean, there are, but they're not, you know, why don't we live in that perfect understanding of who we are? You know, it's not the body, but it's our spirit. And it's a collection of information that we've taken and turned into our consciousness, you know? Oh, I do have one question. Um, yes. Uh, videos and the pictures you saw in the tunnel were yes. they in color were they seemed to be living or was it like a tv they, screen they, it was like they had depth to them they had depth and they were very very vivid colors in fact they for me they were more vivid than even life itself than what i experienced through life you know but they were there was a very insightful and it was weird because as i was going down the tunnel i'd look at them and i i, I would only look at them for a fraction of a second and I'd go on to the next one but 
it only took me a fraction of a second to understand the meaning behind that picture. It's like, it's like the hieroglyphs, right? Of Egyptian times or like emojis nowadays, right? Emojis, although it's one picture, you know, you hear pictures worth a thousand words. Well, it's one picture, but the meaning behind it, the emotion behind it, the power behind it was the most powerful part of it. It wasn't so much the picture. It was the depth of the picture of meaning in my soul, you know, and it just resonated immediately. I didn't have to look at it. I didn't have to understand every pixel of it, but I knew that once I looked at it, that was it. That was the meaning behind that experience and why I had that experience. You know, it was, this is why you did that. This is why you were mean to this person. So they could have a different perspective on life, or this is why somebody was mean to me and hit me over the head or whatever it was, you know, there was great depth and meaning behind it. So it wasn't just a picture that I looked at, like watching TV. It was so much more valuable, so much more valuable. It just makes me wonder how this all happens. I mean, I know it's beyond us, but how our memories are taken and put in pictures and put in videos and are used. And, you know, we know in our near death experiences. So beyond that, you know, who knows how much. It's, it's, it's that's very it. interesting. It's very interesting how it happens, you know, and I mean, ultimately, you know, if we remember that everything is energy, literally everything, lamps, everything is energy. It's in different forms and different shapes. And we're energy moving within energy, you know, and we're trying to raise our frequency up, you know, to match a different dimension. I believe this is my own personal belief, you know, and, you know, I think that's what we're doing here is we're taking this information. We're supposed to transition it into a soulful connection, our soul understanding. We're supposed to start to recognize our soul. And I think that's where we have death of the ego in this life is when we start looking at our soul as being the whole reason for our being, you know, I mean, if our body dies, then our body has no purpose in this life, but to move our spirit around in this environment, in this realm to collect information. That's what our brain does the most of. The one thing we do the most of in this life is collect information in our mind. And we, we, we continually think we don't even know we're thinking like walking. When we first started walking, we had to watch every step and every action and every inch that we moved. But there came a time when we did it so much that it was just natural. Now I don't, even, I walk up mountains and hills and stuff and I don't even realize what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm just naturally doing it in, in, in cruise control. And I think it's the same way for us living spiritually. When we live in the mindset of living for the body in all this experience, then we're going to continually be in that cycle. Right. And if we switch over to the spiritual side, as hard as it is at first, like for me, meditating, like getting on that cycle, that was really hard for me. I, I couldn't keep my attention because I had chronic pain, you know, and I couldn't fully focus, you know, but the more that I did it, the easier it became. And I think that's the one thing is that it takes what 60, 30 days to create a habit in our minds. And that habit is a new neural pathway. It's we have neuroplasticity and neurogenesis. Right. Neuroplasticity is being able to change our thoughts and neurogenesis is the ability to allow new thoughts to process, you know? So, I mean, honestly, it's, it's all about connecting to our spirit. It really is. When we connect to our spirit, we stop living this world for our physical bodies and we start living from our spiritual truth and our spiritual truth resonates at the highest frequency available to us. And that's love. When we start living that and we start interacting with people who also have the same amount of love for us. Now we're, multiplying that love and that's why you feel so powerful in relationships and stuff you know like when you are in love not not you know lust or anything but when you are in love with somebody the power generated by two beings in love is phenomenal and you can walk into a room and know that these two people are substantially soulfully in love and you feel their energy you know you can walk into a room and know the energy's changed you know so 
I mean, that is a very real thing. And I have to look at just logical stuff in my life and how does it correlate to my spirit? You know, and what is my spirit doing here if it's able to move around this realm, right? Because I could easily just come in as a spirit, but then I would have no way to touch and feel, you know, and have emotions, right? So this is allowing me the experience of having emotions and, and feel what love feels like in a physical form so that my frequency raises so that when I die and pass on to the next level, my energy that's going to depart my body is going to be at such a high level frequency that I want to worry about nothing, right? So it, it's, it's interesting for sure. It's very interesting. What you were saying about couples made, made me think of when I was in high school, I just had a natural knack of being a matchmaker. Like I would see one person in school and later look at another and I'd think those two need to be together. Right. And, and it always worked out like anybody yeah. I had got, like maybe later they got divorced, you know, but they say, but I'm glad I have this child, you know, I'm well, glad that's that a, happened. And that's okay because you, you, you were in an experience where you are very empathetic and intuitive. I can tell already, I can feel it. Right. So having that intuition about you and feeling people's energy is how you're able to match make. Now their progressive spiritual growth is not your problem. But you know that who they were on that journey in that moment of time, they were meant to be together. And I believe this for myself is that, you know, we, we accelerate and, and learn and change at different levels, even in relationships, you know, and sometimes people level up and sometimes they're on a different mindset level. And sometimes people fall behind in that relationship. And that's when we find ourselves in the, the, the area of divorce. And that's when we say, okay, I don't want to be with you because I'm at this level, you're at this level, and now we're not cohesive right? But you, I think we go into different understandings of love, different levels of understanding. I know that, you know, when I was in high school, I felt I loved my girlfriend at the time. And I, and I genuinely did for what I knew of love. I did love them. But what happens is as I go through this experience again, and as I continue to intake information, right, my understanding of love is raising. My understanding of what I need to feel love is progressing. So then I, I'll go into another relationship and I'll be in this experience where like, oh, I feel love again. And it doesn't work out because we're not progressing at the same levels, right? There is, I believe, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not, obviously I've been divorced three times. I don't know much about marriage or others would say that I do know a lot about marriage, you know, because I have failed so many times and I take all my experiences in, but, you know, I, I do think that there's a way to, to have that relationship in love where there's no, you know, there's a building up of each other. You know, it, it comes from a soulful place. It doesn't come from a physical environment. It doesn't come from sex. It comes from building each other up and allowing each other to have the space to grow spiritually. And I think when you allow each other to have the space to grow spiritually, you are opening up a, a whole new world of life for these, your, your spouse or your significant other. You know, you're allowing them to flourish and become all that they're meant to be. You're allowing them to fly and feel the freedom of experiencing life as well because when you hold somebody in in a relationship you're you're ultimately boxing them in to where they are not allowed to go feel or understand the depth of experiences with other people and i'm not saying sex again this is just interacting with people you know and then there are some relationships that are say hey listen i love you enough to just go be you go become all that you're meant to be and I think when we do that, we are embracing the concept of love because we're giving them a gift of time to fully engage with themselves and to fully understand how their love is formed and how and what they need to sustain that energy. I mean, that's what we're on. We're on the constant quest for understanding of what brings us balance. 
you know? So, I mean, just like trees in nature, they, they can change and shift with, they have different growth patterns based upon what suits them and what brings them the most balance. And we're, we're no different. We're no different. We are the same thing. We shift and change and bob and weave trying to get the most amount of understanding of balance. That's what this is all about. It's about maintaining balance. You know, I saw a study where they, they played rock music and classical music, I think it was, for plants, right? And the one that had the hard-hitting negative experience, that plant didn't grow as well as the one that had a, a positive one, you know? And I saw this other one where they would speak positive affirmations into this plant, and the other one, it was negative affirmations, you know? And the plant that had the positive affirmations grew. Why? For me, it's the projection of our energy to another human being when we live in that place of peace and balance and only wanting to give love to somebody, not needing anything in return because we're self-sustaining, but giving that power to somebody, they feel that pure energy flow, much like we feel in, in nature. They feel that pure, unadulterated energy coming out of you. And that stirs something in, in them that makes them quest and thirst and think about their own accessibility to that feeling. You know, and when they do that, now they are starting to self-sustain that their own love, you know, and that's powerful to me because it's not just a simple compliment. It's not just a simple interaction. It's actually life-changing to somebody, you know, and I want to affect as many lives as I can in a positive manner and regard. I don't want to go out and create death through my words because that's what I have the ability to do. I have the ability to speak negativities into somebody's life where they start to question themselves. They start to question their entire being. If I hold that power, I also hold the power of life. I can encourage them, empower them, show them, unlock them, and show them who they truly are. And if I had to choose what would want to happen to me, I would hope that somebody would bring me life. I would hope that somebody would bring me love. And I would hope that somebody would invest the most precious asset that they have in time to help me get out of my negative mindset. You know, and the more that we can restructure our minds, the more that we can continue these repeated habits of happiness and joy and love, the better we're going to be, you know? Yeah. And, you know, people watch NDEs and they want to hear, it's a lot of them, they want to just hear the NDE. That's it. Right. And it's like that they're missing the point because for us as NDEers, that's not what's important. It's that while on the other side, we got to know our soul, who we are right. outside of that body. And when we come back, we're attached to that soul. It, it's more, we're more aware of it. It's like louder. Yes. And yes. so we are changed because you're in connection with your, I don't know, you know, I can't, can't find the right word, but we just know ourselves on a different level and who yeah. we were seems so small in comparison that there's just there's, we just it opens our eyes just to everyone and everything not that we're these wise men going around it's just no, we, no, know, we know what it's like to to know our like our our true self yeah and that, you know that, and then that's very true and we're in that land i call it the land of knowing you know like you saw these pictures or videos and you you got this understanding you heard something and it seems like when we come back we continue to hear things when we see things that a lot of people don't see and don't hear it and and it just seems like we we're over there and, and now we're back and we can't undo that um the senses we gained 
And it's not about just, or it's not just about what we experience because those of us that have multiple NDEs, we know every NDE is different. Very few times have I heard that it's taken off where the last one left off. I have heard it before, yeah, yeah. but not normally. Yeah. And so for me to say, well, say if I had one NDE and this is what happened and in yours was different, well, no, it couldn't have been because mine was like this, but then I've had two very different ones. And so it has broadened me into everybody else's because, and, I, and a year ago I um, was sick and I had a real small out-of-body experience that was totally different than the other was, I don't call it a near-death experience, but um, it was, I was out of body. I was very sick. I lost 13 pounds in four days. It was really ill. Oh, wow. and I passed out, fell toilet, which I've passed out hundreds of times because I have a certain illness that I pass out a lot, but but never had any experience. But this time I was just slightly out of my body and then people were talking and I was like, huh, huh, we say no. And mm -hmm. so I experienced something else. And so now when I hear right. those type NDEs, I'm like, I get that. I know what that's like too. So, yes. and, but they all br bring us back. Even that was just a tiny little few seconds out of body there a year ago. I was still changed after I, right. I, I was changed. And even though I hadn't, my last NDE was 1986. And then I had this little tiny out of body. I'm like, I'm changed again. Yeah. It's crazy. And, and I look at it, sorry, my lips bleed. I must have cut it or something. Oh. It's getting chapped. But um, my, my understanding is this, is that if we all drove the same cars, how boring would that be? We wouldn't have to, you know, we wouldn't be able to have these different experiences. Yeah, that thing's really boring. You need to get something? No, I'll just let it bleed. <laughs> it'll stop get some chapstick but um so for me if we all come back with information from the other side um we're meant to share that information right and if we all came back with the same information well that's not too exciting and we're not learning as much as we can so every experience and like I, I i believe that the people on the other side know that we're coming back right i believe that that experience is not a uh, finality life or death i think that we have to go through this experience Right. And if anything's possible, everything's possible. This is crazy. Hold on. I, I do need to do something. That's fine. Go ahead. I apologize. That's all right. What I have here. I had uh, it the other day on the corner of my mouth. It's so chapped. It just started bleeding. Yeah. It's been so, like, living this California dream. Here we go. <laughs> some white tissue on my face. There you go. Just like shaved. <laughs> there you go. Is that, is that good? <laughs> I'm okay with it. I'm cool. <laughs> right, this is not my body. <laughs> I'm not this body. All right. Anyway. Uh, so I, th I think, you know, the other side knows that we're coming back. I definitely believe that. I mean, that's just my own feeling and for myself. I definitely believe that. And if they know we're coming back, they're not going to give us information that we can't fully process totally along the road. We're going to come back with something that we're supposed to understand and seek out and then take that information and share it with people. Because if you have the secrets to life after death, then you understand this life. You understand what we're doing. It's all intake of information. The one thing the body does the most of in anything is think. So it's processing. It's processing information. So if we come back and we all have the same information, we're going to process the same thing. We're never going to, we're never going to evolve. Right. So having the ability to come back and knowing that I believe the other side knows that we're coming back and they're like, Hey, in your area, in your 
geographical category. This is where you need to, this is what you need to know. Now you go back and you share that stuff. And maybe we don't know it subconsciously and even consciously, but it's instilled in us, you know, where everybody that I've talked to, although I'm just sharing this after three years now, everybody that I talk to feels compelled to share their story. Why? Because the information needs to get out. We, we are so compelled by that. We're so compelled that, hey, this experience is not it. This experience is meant for us to help each other or love each other. You know, we all have the same kind of mindset, you know, and I, I really believe that once we see that, it, that every experience should be and better be different, just as unique as each person. My dog's freaking out yeah. over too, you know, so you know, we are all meant to have different experiences. And I, I, I relish the, the opportunity to get to know people for their differences, because I want to know what makes you, you, and what experience have you had that I haven't had? And I want to learn from that. I want to change myself. I want to understand you. You know, I, I'm not trying to be, you know, the same as you or, or, or cut you down because I'm, you're not me and I'm not you. Like, I mean, there, for me, religion, um, and this is not a knock against religion. I, I believe that everybody should find their higher power in whatever manner is necessary for them. I believe we all have our own path and stuff, but even politics, race, gender, geographical location, financial situations, like it doesn't matter. What, what bearing does any of that have on our soul? Nothing, nothing, you know? So go get past the physicalness of this and look at the spiritual side. Because if you ask people, what are the most important things to you in your life? I guarantee that they're all going to be about the same. They will all ask you for the same thing. They want to be healthy. They want to have the ability to thrive. They want to have their family protected and loved, and they want to feel love. I mean, and it's generally all the same things. And when you look at that response and that understanding, there are no differences between us. We're in different vehicles driving to the same destination. You know what I mean? And that's it. And Let's I all get there think, together. Yeah. Hmm? And I think I... A lot of people are so confused right now. And, you know, I hope that podcasts like this and a lot of the others, you know, whether on near-death experiences or what topics, um, that they bring some maturity to the table yeah. and security and calmness instead of, you know, there's so many people on drugs. There's so many people into alcohol or gambling or addicted to sex or yeah. what the, the communities that are just, they're just lost. And then, you know, you have so many people in the churches and the religions and they're so strict and everybody seems like they're fighting, like I'm right, you're wrong. And, and there's so right. much divide. And, you know, I just hope that, you know, people watching this with you and, and, and any others, you know, and it seems like, you know, I read all the comments you know, I take the time to read every comment and think about them and see where people are at and what they're getting out of it. And a lot of it is um, grounding, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, you know, well, I know when I was young, I had grandparents. And back then you were to, kids were to be quiet and not interrupt adults. And you heard adult conversations. And it seems like now kids just interrupt and a lot of people don't have respect for people of grandparent age and, or some of them are even, you know, grandparents and, you know, that's their choice or whatever, but there used to be heads of families 
and elders and people that you went to, your aunt, your uncle, you know, someone that you went to and asked for advice, even parents, and that just, they're not there now. You know, there's so many right, people. Right. I get upset. I don't know, I'm going to rant here, but, you know, I open my newspaper every day and I see people my age getting busted for drugs. And I'm thinking, yeah. you're, you're grandparent age. You should be yeah. somebody's rock, somebody's comfort, somebody's security. Somebody can yeah. come to you and get grounded, you know, and, right. and people, you know, and so, you know, if we can be that for somebody, you know. Yeah. Well, I think this too, is that, you know, even grandparent age people that are doing drugs. I mean, I had my own experience, you know, a year and a half trying and experimenting with drugs, trying to understand my near death experience, you know, but for me, you know, we, we have grown up in a society where, you know, we, we were different, not even a generation ago, completely different. We've gone from the analog age into the digital age, you know, and now everyone's so caught up in this environment that we get the self-gratification being fake and that dopamine hit in our mind is releasing these chemicals. And we're like, what is real? You know, we, we're not, we're, we're not there, you know, we're not looking at the truth. And so we become so disassociated with the, the reality of life you know, that we're out searching now for either a way to escape or a way to understand, you know, and it's just, it's crazy that we, uh, I mean, we're changing information now in this generation. I think it's eight generations worth of information within a day. Okay. What would have taken eight generations to share information with, we are now able to do that within one day. And that messes with people. Because now you have an overload of information and also an overload of stimulants through social media, through the interactions with whatever's going on, because everything is changing. You know, there's so much more information out there. So now we're forced to kind of decipher and, and mitigate between the information, find out what is a truth. And it's, it's a struggle. It was a struggle for me, especially dealing with depression yeah. and anxiety and, and being an empathetic person I am because I feel energies beyond anything in this life like energy for me is the most realest thing in the world you know because i i feel it i feel like my hair sticks up and like i get these gross feelings when i'm around certain people and like i, I can't control that and it's overwhelming you know so i think we're trying to kind of run away from that i mean everyone that deals with depression i think they have a superpower 100 percent. if you're depressed or you have an anxiety you have a superpower because you are in touch with your emotions and your emotions are what's going to speak to your soul. So that depressive state of, you know, being in this place where everything feels against you and, and you lost love or you lost a family member, you are so in tune to your superpower, but not able to see it. it, it like, that's what I want people to see is your biggest faults that you think you have are actually your greatest strengths. And that's, that's a, that's a fact for me. It is my greatest strength now because I can, I can tune into people and I can share and I can understand and I can feel, you know, and, and that's how I best connect with people because then I know what words need to come out. I know what frequency my body is resonating at when they are speaking to me and I understand what level of depth they're on, you know, and that to me is the greatest thing I could ever have. I'd rather have that than be able to play PlayStation good, you know what I mean? Or, or be out and doing anything else. I want to feel the resonation of this existence. And I think that, that is a great thing. I, I want everybody that's listening to this to know that, that your depression, your anxiety, your hurt and stuff, this is all meant to change you. And these are your greatest superpowers. These are the things that you're going to look back when you climb that hill, right? You're going to be on the other side of the hill thinking, oh my gosh, now I see why I went through this. 
Now I see why I had that hard time or that hard season. You know, everything comes in a season and everything is directing us into our purpose. And it's not going to be what your physical body wants. It's not going to be ascertaining wealth. It's not going to be buying the nicest cars. It's not going to be having the greatest house. It's not. It will bring you a significant amount of happiness in a short term. But ultimately, you're going to find that when you lose all of that, you still have to find happiness. Or when you have all of that, you're still going to find yourself in unhappy situations. And that's, that's not, you know, a truth. It's an experience to have to understand your truth. And as long as you're not resting in that knowledge and you're always seeking your soulful truth, you'll be fine, you know? But I mean, it's it, depression for me almost killed me. Like I said, I almost had three suicide attempts in my life, you know? And it was so painful and so hurtful to me. And I didn't know how to get out of it. I didn't, you know? And the fact is, is that there is a way to get out. There is a power to be held in that moment and in that space. There is an opportunity to feel, and there should be an opportunity to feel that depth of experience, but you do not sit there and reside in it. You sit there, you take the information from it and you say, all right, I'm over it. This is where I need to go now. This is my purpose. My purpose is to love. And I found that when I loved other people in my hardest and darkest depression, right? When I was in my deepest space in my hurt and I started giving that love, that's the one thing I had left over. I was sitting in my room. I'll never forget this. I had this one experience in my room. I was sitting there in the dark and I was at my lowest place ever, lowest place ever. And I'm at the bottom of this pit and I'm thinking, what, 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 what's left? What's left for my life? I don't have the will to live, but I'm not going to kill myself, right? My body is just continuing to exist. I'm not living. I'm existing. I'm physically existing, but I'm not living. I thought, what brings me love? I thought, oh man, when I'm at the ocean, I love the ocean. I love the feeling of the wind crashing, the seagulls and the salty air. I love the sunsets on the ocean. You know, I love watching the moon. I love seeing the birds. I love being in the trees and the groves and the forest. Like those are things I love and they generate a power within me. So what if I just hold on to those things for right now? I can't depend on people because people are ultimately doing their own thing. I have to provide and self-sustain. So I'm going to start interacting and engaging in these experiences that I know bring me love. And then I'm going to sit there and I'm going to feed myself all the positive affirmations about myself. I'm going to stop feeding myself the lies that the world's giving me and what people are giving me. And I'm going to look at myself as a standalone person. And what are my greatest strengths? Well, I knew how to love. I knew how to feel. I knew how to provide help for people. And I said, okay, that's what you hold on to. You hold on to the experience of generating your love from outside resources like the ocean and the, and the environment, the universe. And then you go out and you transform that energy within you and you start looking at yourself and taking that love and passing it out like it's going out of style. And you pass that love out like it's going out of style. Free love, you know, here you go. Not sex again, but love, right? The true, pure essence of love. You hand that out and you have now served your purpose and now you are self-sustaining your own love and your own energy. And nobody now can come into my life and share any words that will hurt me. No one can touch me. No one can mess with me because who I am is a powerful energetic spirit that is made out of love and transforms love into a higher dimensional love. Right. And that's what I want. That's what I want people to know. There's no, no negative about your life. Everything that is in your life right now is meant to be there and is going to be used for the positivity of your life in their transformation. Amazing. Just how perception alone you change everything yes like you can look yes. at someone and think oh they're this they're awful they're the or you can think you know what they have got a lot of courage they've got a lot of strength i give them a lot of credit yes. it's just all the, in our eyes in our heart and how we project on other people 
So. It is too. And you know, you, catching yourself too and asking yourself, who's in charge of these thoughts that are coming up? Like if I'm sitting there, you know, saying, oh, that person, this and that, anything that negative comes out of my mouth, where does that come from? What, what is that? Ultimately, it's a mirror. It is a mirror of our own life and our perception. And I found that when I was hurting people or making fun of people, right, I was projecting my own hurts upon them because I didn't know how to handle it. So if I put them in a negative standpoint or negative position, they were in the defense, I was on the offense. If I'm the offense, I'm able to move forward and feel great. And no, you're worse than I am, huh? No, man. But if I lift people up, I lower myself to lift them up. Then I feel like I have been able to give them a gift. And that for me is so much more powerful. So I had to really look at myself like every negative thing I said about somebody else now became a mirror. So if I'm saying that about them, you're going to call yourself that. And then you ask yourself, why are you doing that? What's the, what's the purpose? What is the purpose of this information that you're spreading out to the world? You are literally feeding death into someone's life. Even if you don't speak it to them, you are speaking it to their spirit, right? And their spirit resides with all this energy around, right? I feel energy all around me. You, when you speak something, believe it or not, it goes into their psyche subconsciously. It resonates with them, right? So now we're affecting change upon their spirit too. And that's horrible. If you can bring life, bring life. If you're going to bring death, then die. I mean, don't die, please. Please don't <laughs> die. We all need each other. Obviously, you know what I mean? But you might as well just shut your mouth. You know, if you yeah. can do a negative, you can do a positive. Yeah. So I don't know. I just like all this Will and Chris stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, right. It's yeah, crazy. Like, I mean, that. Like, why waste here's, your here's, time on that? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing to, here's the thing to reflect on, though. You know, their, their whole experience on stage there was for the world to see, you know, and it, it's going to change both of their lives so much. So because now they've been exposed. I mean, not that, you know, Chris Rock had anything to do with it, but Will Smith specifically is that, you know, he was in a moment of, in his mind, protection, but protecting someone to hurt somebody else is not protection. That's just a hurt on a different level. Yeah. You're I think if he would have said that sitting down and not got up, he would yes. have got a point across. Yeah. We are, we are in control of our thoughts. We are in control of our voice and our words, and we are in control of our physical actions. And we have to be able to control that. And when you have no control over that, that is your body. That is your emotions controlling you. And that is who is ruling your, your persona and your spirit. It, it, you need to go back to the point where your spirit is in charge of everything. You know, our neurons and stuff, they travel based upon our spirit, right? And we direct where our thoughts go. Right. So we cannot allow our body to direct our thoughts, our mind and our spirit need to direct our thoughts. Yeah. For sure. So, yeah, I, I hope I hope they both, you know, learn how to just uh, I mean, the joke's a joke and it's you know, we're all looking for jokes here and there. But, you know, I believe it was maybe tasteless a little bit, but yeah. Uh, oh, slapping yeah. somebody. I don't yeah. feel like you know, my thought was if it was cancer, if she had cancer, mm -hmm. you know, people mm -hmm. would sympathize. But not when you go up and slap somebody. It's like sympathizes yeah. off the table. You just, yeah. we don't get to just go up and slap somebody because we right. don't like what they say. I don't care what they said. I don't care right. what it was. Well, so. my, here's the thing is that, I, you know, I believe that there's beauty of all things. And I think that even this is not only going to affect them too, but it's going to affect the people that have watched it. It's making people think about things and how would I react and why would I react and what would drive me to react that way? And I think there's beauty even in that one slap, the one slap that, you know, 
Okay. You're going to feel better the next morning. You're going to feel fine. It's not going to go there, but the lasting effect is either going to be a positive or negative. And I ultimately think that it will be a positive in the mindsets of people that have seen it because they're not going to want to be that way. They're not going to want to react negatively because of that one experience. So I think there's beauty to be found in everything. I don't think there's anything negative in life. I think there's a way to find the beauty. in Yeah. It. I just I wish, you know, the social media would just shut up about it. I do too, man. That's, we got bigger <laughs> Get problems over it, move on. World, you know? <laughs> Yeah, we got bigger problems in this world, man. We really do. You know, we really need to start uniting and, you know, getting over all this separation crap. Like it's, it's, who cares? Like, let's just, let's just hang out and let's build each other up and let's see what we can do together. You know, I mean, I know that if I go to my toolbox and I only have one tool, I'm not going to fix nothing, you know, but when I have all these other tools, there ain't nothing I can't fix, you know? So I hope that's what we do. I hope as a country, we're shifting into that, that mindset and mentality, you know, because ultimately we do die. And ultimately that experience and that chance for the experience is over with. And what are we going to look back on as, as what we learned and what are we going to look back as our legacy? You know, our legacy is not the physical things that we leave behind, but it's what we allow other people to remember us by. And as they remember us in the positive mindset and manner, then we're able to continue living in, in that way. You know, so even that's a way to live forever, I believe. So. Well, thank you so much, Jeremiah. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me and all the viewers out there. It's so excited. I'm so excited that you guys got to see this. And, and I, I just ask that you guys continue to be a change for each other and help empower and encourage somebody if you can. I mean, that is ultimately your purpose. And that is ultimately your drive and where you're going to go is, is to be that love that the world needs. So I just really want to propel you all forward and love the world, you know? <laughs> so. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Peggy. Thank you. Oh, bye-bye.